Hello, I'm Dr. Scott Wadier. And I'm Tommy Welling, and you're listening to the Fasting for Life podcast. This podcast is about using fasting as a tool to regain your health, achieve ultimate wellness, and live the life you truly deserve. Each episode is a short conversation on a single topic with immediate actionable steps. We cover everything from fat loss and health and wellness to the science of lifestyle design. We started Fasting for Life because of how fasting has transformed our lives, and we hope to share the tools that we have learned along the way. Hey, everyone. Welcome to the Fasting for Life podcast. My name is Dr. Scott Wadier. I am here, as always, with my good friend and colleague, Tommy Welling. Good afternoon to you, sir. Hey, Scott. How are you? Doing fantastic. We are rocking and rolling into the Christmas holiday here uh, in the States, and it's been fast and furious, pun intended, and I cannot wait to talk about one of the um, biggest questions that we get, and we figured as we ramp up for 2021, and you and I have spent a lot of time diving in and planning for what 2021 looks like, um, what breaks a fast? Because we're coming up on a year here. So this is the most common question we get. So what better way to do a reset and start the season and prep for the new year by then talking about one of the most foundational questions and arguments that really exists in the fasting world? Yeah, I mean, this is this is at the core. Um, and, and when you first get started, um, it's one of those things where you just kind of keep asking and just keep looking for those resources to better define it, kind of hone in, you know, what, what can I have? What can I do? What breaks the fast? And there's there's a lot of a lot of uh, discussion points out there, I think. Yeah, and some of them are backed and not backed by experiences and uh, research and <clears throat> uh, anecdote and all those different types of things. So today we want to speak purely from the perspective of trying to keep it simple and also setting some basic boundaries and defining some terms that you might hear and some things um, that might add to the confusion of what it is that breaks the fast. So one of the first things that we will get asked is what about adding citrus fruit or lemon or lime to my water? And the simple answer to that is no, you can add citrus fruit, lemon and lime to your water and add that throughout the entire day and you will be fine. You will not be breaking your fast. Um, and sometimes just that little bit of flavor will be uh, enough to kind of help you push through those little difficult points. Yeah. And, uh, you know, that's, that's a really nice thing because, um, you know, especially when you first start getting started with fasting, uh, you notice that you're drinking a lot more water. Um, you start to clear out some of the glycogen that's going to drain some of the water. You're going to have the diuretic effect. So you, you're going to notice yourself, you know, drinking a little bit more. Um, but also just the fact that since you're not eating, you, you kind of think about the drinking a little bit more too. So anything that you can do to naturally kind of make that a little bit more interesting, you know, like um, just just the natural, um, you know, slices of lemon, lime, orange in there. Um, that's really good. Don't eat the orange, but enjoy the flavor that comes along with it. So real basic water, black coffee. We'll talk about creamer in a second. Green tea. Um, there's benefits of having the caffeine of coffee and green tea where it can actually uh, incre increase the benefit of the fast. Um, we've mm -hmm. got our um, uh, really those are the immediate safe ones that I pretty much on top of the lemon and lime water that everyone can agree on. Right. So yeah. anything that falls in those categories, you're good to go. Now, 
one of the ones, two things, one I just mentioned in regards to coffee. And then the second one that I want to talk about in a second, which is the carbonated sparkling waters and drinks. Um, when it comes to coffee and the creamer, there's some terms out there that you might hear when it comes to, um, you know, staying under a certain uh, calorie amount will put you in the category of a clean fast versus a dirty fast, or just setting a rule like as long as you stay under 50 calories, you'll remain in the fasted state. Um, I mean, for me, it's okay. You're fasting or you're not fasting. You're trying to make this uh, a lifestyle or something that you can do habitually so you can get the long-term effects, right? Which most people is initially uh, uh, for weight loss, right? So when we're looking at these different metrics, if you, you know, took in maltodextrin, in the form of a artificially sweetened drink, then that is going to spike your insulin. Did you chew the maltodextrin? No. So we can't really go on the lines of if you chew it, then it breaks a fast, much like the whole sugar-free gum argument. So when it comes to coffee and I'm land the plane here, when it comes to coffee and creamer, um, you know, for me, a little bit like two tablespoons, which is the 25 calories per of the so delicious coconut milk creamer in my coffee in the morning, mm-hmm. um, just starts my day. And I can enjoy the rest of the day with that being the starting point. Right. But some right. people out there would say that is now, um, because it's under hundred calories, then it would be a dirty fast. Cause technically I'm taking in some cream. I'd be spiking my insulin And to that, I'm going to say, just pick your poison, man. Just whatever works for you and however you can uh, kind of get the momentum going. Yeah, that coffee is a big deal. I mean, um, you know, many of us, especially in the West, but um, all over the world start our day off with, with, you know, a cup or two or three of of coffee, right? So, you know, what, what goes into it can be um, you know, at, at the core of, of getting our day going and, and our, our long-term habits. So, you know, if, if a tablespoon of cream or two, um, you know, kind of gets your sanity and gets your day going and you, you feel like yourself and you're able to stick with the rest of the day better because you had that, then I, I think that long-term that's going to be a win. Uh, on the flip side, if, if you're very used to, you know, uh, trying to make the coffee just taste very different from how it naturally tastes. And then you start adding to the texture and the flavor profile, and then you start adding in more calories to it and it can get sweeter. And then that, that has a larger insulin spike, then you're probably on a slippery slope there, right? Yeah. It's so it just comes down to this, this, this thought process of what's the end goal, you know, is it sustainable for you, the individual? And there are some, you know, guidelines out there, like, like, you know, like we said, 50 calories and under, you're probably not going to, to, to break your fast. But um, could you, if that, like I said, if that was a sweetened, you know, sugary maltodextrin laden drink? Yeah, you could. Um, 35 calories of creamer has not broken my fast and excuse me, 25 or 50 has not either because I've done the testing pre and post in terms of my blood sugar numbers. So depending on how specific you want to be or how loose you want to be, the most important thing really that we try to preach is, you know, setting the plan. So knowing the basic parameters, which we'll go over here, but then setting the plan for what the day, the week, the month is like. And if you've got 10 or 12 of these little points every day where you make a concession on creamer 
and then you make a concession on, um, you know, a handful of almonds, and then you make a concession on some bone broth, and then you make a concession on insert X, Y, and Z, right? Mm -hmm. Then now you're not really, I mean, what's the point, right? Yeah. Yeah. At a certain point, you're just snacking and finding opportunities to have things that, that taste good or they, they're fun to ingest, right? Like you at, at, at a certain point, you're, you're not, you're not fasting anymore. And, and I identified a few of those spots like the creamer for myself, where that became a slippage point for me, even, you know, months into the process. And I realized um, when I was, when I was just having black coffee in the morning that there was no, there was no question about, you know, uh, am I still fasting at this point? Um, am I sticking to my window? That kind of question. But at a certain point you, you put enough, um, you know, flavorings or, or milk or cream in your coffee um, and then it can lead you down the path of, well, I, I kind of just already broke my fast. So I guess I'm not fasting when, when lunch or when dinner comes around. Or for me with the kids working from home, it'll be like, all right, I made them lunch. Well, they didn't finish that. So I'll just grab that piece. Right. Mm -hmm. Or making dinner. Right. I'm not eating dinner that night. I'm cooking. It's like, all right, well, I'll just taste that. Yeah. We call that the slippage points. Right. So um, when you're getting down that, I mean, you're not really sticking to the fast. Um, if you're on a, you know, a longer fast and you're trying to achieve something you haven't achieved before, really going in with a clear idea of what that outcome uh, and, and why you're doing it will be helpful. So the coffee thing is, is, you know, it's, it's not really for us, it's not based on the calorie or the amount. It's, it's in the bigger picture. Are we worrying about a paper cut in a house fire? So to transition from coffee into some of the carbonated beverages, uh, you know, you've got your diet sodas, uh, you have all these flavored drinks like the LaCroix or the LaCroix, not sure how to pronounce it. It's like acai or acai. I don't, I don't know. It's one of them, right? Um, yeah. Does that technically break your fast? In some forums out there, you'll see people say that anything that has the natural flavors, even though it's zero calories, will break your fast. Well, natural flavors aren't um, one of the chemicals <clears throat> like the uh, sugar alcohols, right? Like the uh, sorbitol, malitol, xylitol um, that will uh, usually bring with it some type of glucose or insulin spike. Um, and then there's the diet sodas that have the aspartames and the sucralosas, which depending on how the study was framed and what it was actually uh, processed with, sometimes they do and sometimes they don't. So technically like a diet Coke it's not going to break your fast. Um, can I drink more than one Diet Coke in a year? Uh, no, I can't. Like, I don't like that chemically taste to it, but right. it's not going to break it. LaCroix, not going to break it. Zero calorie. But those other additional additive chemicals and sugars and maltodextrins, they will break it. So you just have to look at the label and find something that works for you. Um, you know, like we, had a, we did a whole conversation in one of our challenges about those water additives like the Mio's. Right. Um, and what's in there that actually will cause your blood sugar to spike. Well, you know, and when we talk about artificially sweetened drinks, um, just thinking back for me, once I started fasting, it became uh, much more enjoyable to have something like um, Waterloo is my favorite, like sparkling water. Um, I usually have one, you know, at my desk and I usually have one or two in a day. Um, you know, it's just something really interesting to drink. Like it, it's more interesting than water. I'll have a, you know, a hundred plus ounces of water, but you know, I'll have a can or two, um, of those, but 
when, when I wasn't fasting, you know, so looking back a few years, I used to have the, I used to be the, you know, get the diet, um, like diet, Dr. Pepper was, was mm. the big one for me. And, and I, I don't know how many I, I drank in my lifetime, but, um, <laughs> you know, what I, what I realized is, I mean, they would actually make me crave something, you know, salty and crunchy and, uh, you know, and, and even something more sweet. Um, uh, they have a, they have a big dopamine spike that goes along with them. I mean, they're, they're hitting the brain in a very potent way. Um, so those are, those can be a, a really slippery slope. And even though you're not taking in any calories and they might not technically be breaking your fast, um, they would make me crave other things. So those would definitely be, you know, danger points if, if I was having them while fasting. And anecdotal, anecdotally speaking for the individual, for me, we get this question too. And I think we've, We've gone over some of these things, you know, when it comes into the Q and A's that we've done in the past. Um, and when it comes to gum, you know, um, sugar-free gum, technically, if it doesn't have any of those chemicals that will spike insulin or blood sugar, the, those sweeteners and the, the ACE K's and all those different things that can be added in, then you're fine. But chewing gum for me makes me way hungrier. Like yep, it me makes too. me mm -hmm. ravenous. So cephalic phase, physiological, whatever it is, we're not you know, we're speaking just anecdotally here from the, the, the individual experience. For me, if I chew gum, regardless if it breaks a fast or not, it's going to make me more hungry. So taking it from the perspective of what's the end goal again, what's your plan? And is this something that's sustainable while you're getting results is really where we should be looking at it from. Yeah, the, the, the goal here would be not to remind yourself that you're not eating, you know, it's not to get your, get your stomach going, you know, and your brain turning and your, and, you know, get you thinking about food all the time, um, especially during, during a longer fast, but, you know, even during a, an, a 22 or a 24 hour fast, um, you know, there's some spots in there where you're going to feel hungry. So um, find those little trigger points that make that worse and, and start eliminating those and you'll have a much easier time. Right. And one of the things we hear too is the keto coffee. Well, keto coffee is very high calorie. So I, I would, I would avoid that. Um, the creamers we already kind of went into. Um, and you know, there, there's something that I learned recently about herbal teas, which, um, some of the high end herbal teas actually have like little dried fruit pieces in them, um, mm -hmm. that, that are, um, you know, like dried fruit. If you pick up like a bag of dried cranberries at the grocery store, you'll see it has like, I don't know, 70 grams added sugar to it. <laughs> Right. Yeah. Um, so just something to be aware of. Not a lot of people, I haven't, I haven't seen a lot of these high end herbal teas, but just something to watch. If you do drink tea, green tea, um, is typically a safe one. Um, and it's really, again, just figuring out what fits into your day to day and what can you, what you can stick with. Why is, which is why we always go back to the consistency is greater than the perfection. Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, on, even on some of those teas, look at the box because, uh, some of them, they've already, um, they've already pulled the sugars out. So some of them are zero calorie and, and some of them are, are, are very low. So if there's still zero calorie, then, then you'll be fine. Yep. Yep. So again, if you go start, you know, getting on the Google machine and Reddit and, uh, Quora and all these other different forums where people post questions and whatnot, um, you can read different viewpoints, um, on both sides of the coin with the majority of this stuff. Um, for us, it's not so much about the, the, you know, in, when it comes to this stuff, comparing the details of the research articles, right. It's looking, looking at again, sustainability, 
um, you know, you and I, Tommy, our story resonates, I feel like, because we came from the struggle bus. Like we were year after year after year, not getting the results until we started incorporating fasting and um, really looking at it from the, from, for me, when you were, you were showing me what you had done. And then I started reading the books and whatnot. It was the simplest, most sustainable thing for me. It gave me more time. It gave me more energy. It, it's freed up time in my day. It simplified my day. So sometimes we like to make things more complicated than they need be. And if we are sitting here splicing hairs, splitting hairs, excuse me, over what the actual natural flavors are in the LaCroix. Um, I'm going to go with do what works for you and everyone else can do what works for them, right? If they want to be that strict and not, and only have the blue container LaCroix, a shout out to LaCroix, by the way, um, then that's fine because that's the plain one. But I know, um, I know there's a lot of people out there that uh, have gotten great results by following the basic guidelines and figuring out what fits them. Yeah, I, I think that's that's a powerful thing that you said too. And, um, you know, not getting caught up in the perfection. Sometimes it's easy to hide behind that perfection, um, especially when we're coming from the realm of, uh, you know, calorie tracking and macros and those things where you, you don't really have much wiggle room because you kind of get used to the fact that the results don't come or they're, they're not sustainable um, unless you're kind of achieving that that perfect level. And even then, um, you might not be seeing results. So, you know, kind of dropping some of that perfection facade um, as we as we get into fasting and as you get more comfortable with it, I think is a natural part of the process because you realize how effective it is and you, you don't necessarily have to split those hairs. But, um, you know, at the same time, finding those sustainable boundaries that work for you, setting the expectations and then being clear about them so that you don't find yourself asking a question like, did I already break my fast? And, you know, I was, I was trying to do a 48 hour fast here. Did I already break it? Well, once you start asking yourself that question, you, you're, you're pretty much, you've, you've kind of lost the battle at that point um, because it's, it's easy to just stop, fully break the fast. And then, you know, you have to start back over, which, which is okay. Um, but if we can avoid that from the beginning, then that's, that's better. So what are some things here? So, in, in true fasting for life fashion, I want to make sure that we, we, we kind of round out the conversation, um, which probably was a little bit uh, gray, which by design, right? It's not black and white. It's more of a gray area. Mm-hmm. Um, now, if you um, go ahead and, you know, take a bite of your kid's hamburger, <laughs> uh, then yeah, that's black and white. But when we're talking about these zero calorie things and, um, you know, clean fasting versus dirty fasting and all of this different types of stuff, um, don't chew, ready? Don't eat. Um, and there's a couple of tips and tricks that, that, that we like, um, that, you know, if we're going by the hardcore fasting rules would break a fast, but we're going to give you some first off things you can do to help you. Uh, if you're new to the game would be drink coffee and tea, stay super hydrated. Um, the carbonated zero calorie waters that we just talked about, just make sure there's no, um, you know, artificial sweeteners or additives or all that kind of stuff. And then those meals can have some, those water enhancers can have some additional stuff that might break it. Um, and really just, you know, stay busy. Like that's the simplicity of fasting in the beginning, stay hydrated, uh, drink coffee and tea if you need to. Um, and then all the other stuff in regards to chewing of the gum and, and whatnot, I mean, figure it out and figure out what works for you. But Tommy, your life hack in terms of, um, getting through the longer fast or the hard sticking points for me is when the stress is high is simply a pickle spear, right? And what's that? Three calories, five calories. 
Yeah, something like that. It's basically, you know, just a, a small piece of, of cucumber, you know, with, with um, some vinegar. Um, so yeah, I, it's, it's, it's just a few calories, um, if any. And, but, you know, I, I'll only do that like one, one at a time here. So, and, you know, we're talking about, you know, talking about a, a really tough sticking point that you don't always need. Um, but, it, you know, especially on my first couple of um, seven day fasts um, and then finding that, that spot where I was just having some, some nausea, um, you know, it was like just this, this really empty stomach. And I was probably near the kitchen while somebody else was cooking too, and had the cephalic <laughs> phase kind of right, going. Right. And, but you know, that, that helped me push through and, and keep going and, and make it to the end of the, the fast that I had planned with, you know, with only ingesting a couple of calories. So, so was it perfect? No, maybe not, but, um, I, I bet I still got 99.9% of the, um, the effectiveness and the, and the fat burning that I was looking for. Um, and, and just, you know, just proving that I could do it. And then the next time I did it, um, you know, I, it, it made me want to do it without a pickle spear a little bit more. So sometimes I did and, and a couple times I didn't. So, but it, 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 it's definitely helped, um, on some, some tougher spots. Yeah. And I'll say this too. It gets easier. <clears throat> if you're new to fasting, it, it gets easier and just think of it in this way. It's either fasting is when you're not eating and feeding is when you're eating, <laughs> right? Like simple. It's super simple. And the benefit is that you give your body the opportunity to allow the insulin to come down and switch over from sugar to fat burning. So simply stated, fasting is when you're eating, feeding is when you're not eating, stay busy, um, work on your sleep, try to manage your stress. These are all things that are included. But when it comes to the conversation of what truly breaks a fast, the take home message from us is figure out what works for you within reason. Um, and if you're not getting the results, then it's probably time to make a change or, you know, have an honest look in the mirror of what's going on. Is there those slippage points in there? And honestly, if we can help in any way, um, shoot us a message at info at thefastingforlife.com. Uh, you can head over to the website and grab the fast start guide, which is a one page PDF on how to put one meal a day fasting into your day to day life. Um, and then there's also a mini masterclass video series that comes with that. Um, if you have questions, you need some help, Tommy, they can reach out to us. We'd be more than happy to respond. Uh, and as we kind of wrap up the incredibly fun and crazy year of 2020, um, I'm really, uh, it's going to be cool to kind of go back uh, and continue to have these conversations and see how they evolve. Um, and one of the best places to start, we agreed was with what breaks a fast. So uh, anything else to add there, sir? If not, uh, we'll call it an episode and uh, we'll keep rocking and rolling. Yeah, no, I think it's great. I think it's a great place to start and to, uh, to wrap up the year too. So thank you. Thanks for a great year. All right, talk soon. Bye. So you've heard today's episode and you may be wondering, where do I start? Head on over to thefastingforlife.com and sign up for our newsletter where you'll receive fasting tips and strategies to maximize results and fit fasting into your day-to-day -day life. While you're there, download your free Fast Start Guide to get started today. Don't forget to subscribe on iTunes, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. Make sure to leave us a five-star review, and we'll be back next week with another episode of Fasting for Life.